A while back, Pastor Terry said, quote, people put labels on us. And I added in my notes that we often put labels on ourselves also. Labels like, I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't have what it takes. Or I have an illness. When we allow those labels to define who we are, we will never achieve the potential of who God's called us to be. It's time to rip off those labels and accept the truth. We are enough. We have what it takes. We matter. It's up to us to own it. You're listening to Marketplace Ministry, a podcast dedicated to helping small, local-based businesses to grow their influence online and in their communities. On this show, we'll talk about business through a biblical lens. Subscribe to never miss an episode. Now, let's get into the show. Welcome to Marketplace Ministry. Wow. I'm Jason Smith, and this is... Justin Jeffcoat. Hello, hello. How's everyone doing out there? Wow, Jason, your intro. Um, I don't know if you can notice, bro. I have a lot of chills about this today. This <laughs> is a topic that everyone deals with. I don't care who you are. Somewhere along the way, someone has put a label on you, and then you have taken that label and made it your own. And we're going to talk about thwarting limiting beliefs so that you can become who God's called you to be. So many times people walk through life listening to what other people try to tell you, like you're not good enough or you got the disease. You ain't, you ain't never going to get that cured. You, oh, you, you want to go into that job position? That ain't you. Try going into something that I think you would do better. So many times people get limited by what other people tell them, they limit to what God is trying to get, tell them to do. Because if we listen more to God and less of what people say, your career path and your spiritual path will both increase tenfold. That's, that's powerful, Justin. You know, as you were saying that, it started to remind me of where I came from. And, you know, until I was 22 years old, I was not a Christian. Yeah. My parents had different faiths growing up. Like my mom was a, was a Catholic or she claimed to be a Catholic. My dad was a Lutheran or he claimed to be, but I was never in church. They didn't raise me in church. They had this mindset that one day if we wanted to know about God, that we would, we would do it on our own. They weren't mm-hmm. going to push us, which is flies in the face of biblical wisdom that says train up a child in the way they should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. I was a heathen. I was going to hell. It was, it was not a good life. And I remember growing up, when I was 10 years old, I wanted to be a writer. My grandpa was teaching me how to use um, some, some software on the new Macintosh SE computer. Yes, this was like a rectangular square computer that had a small, maybe 8 to 10 inch screen, and it was all in black and white. This was one of the earliest Apples after the Apple IIe, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so he was teaching me how to use like Microsoft Word and Microsoft Works back when I was 10 years old. So this would have been in 1992. And I'm just thinking, man, this is so fun. This is great. I loved reading at the time. And I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start writing some wow. stories. And so I started writing short stories, pecking away at the keyboard because I didn't know how to type. And I just I had so much fun writing the stories and sharing them with my friends. 
And I started telling them when, when my parents would ask me, what do you want to do when you grow up? I said, I want to be a writer. I want to be an author. Did I get support from my parents when I said that? No. My dad said, well, you might want to focus on getting a real job because writing's not going to pay the bills. Now, he may have said that, but what I heard as a 10-year-old was, you're not good enough. I don't believe in you. You're not going to be able to do that. And I carried that for most of my life. And it's, it's a limiting belief that once, once somebody puts a label on you, it, you almost become that. You, you start to identify yourself as that thing. Another time, we had a karaoke machine. And I remember we got this tape from the zoo because at the Toledo Zoo at the time, they were doing a big promotion because of the pandas. And there was a song called Pandemonium. <laughs> and I loved that song and I would sing it all the time. And one time I got the uh, karaoke machine and I recorded myself singing and my parents said, you can't sing. My grandparents said, you can't sing. Sure, I was maybe 10 or 11 years old at that time and probably didn't have a good sense of pitch either. But they said, you can't sing. Wow. And when they said that to me, I started to feel like that I, I couldn't do that. Have you ever heard anybody tell you, don't quit your day job? <laughs> multiple times yeah that, that they're like you can't sing don't quit your day job <laughs> thanks for the vote of confidence mom and dad right so when I was in high school and I had just finished the fall play where we where I was cast as Constable Warren in our town the music director came up to me and said hey Jason you should audition for the spring musical do you think I was excited to audition for the Spring Musical? No. No. I, I was like, no, I, I really, I don't think I can do that. And she, she was adamant. She's like, Jason, you would be great. You need to audition for this. And so hesitantly, I went and I auditioned for the Spring Musical, Guys and Dolls. And um, I was nervous because I'm like, I've been told my whole life I can't sing. So I went in. Did the audition. I got cast. And I was th- I'm thinking, I'm going to get cast in a supporting role where I don't have to do a lot of singing, right? I got cast as Arvide Abernathy. Arvide Abernathy is one of the main characters' um, supporting characters. Mm-hmm. So, like, Sarah Brown is, is the, one of the main characters, and Arvide is Sarah's grandfather. Well, towards the end of the first act... Arvide, who's an Irish grandfather, has to talk to her about finding her true love. And you know what he does? He sings a song in Irish. (laughs) And I had to sing a solo. It was like maybe two or three minutes long. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I was terrified. I bet. I'm like, what? (laughs) I can't sing, and now you want me to sing with an Irish accent? Are you kidding me? But it turned out well, and I actually built my confidence in doing that. I did. Everybody told me I couldn't sing, but by the time I was 15 or 16 years old, whenever we did that play, something had changed. Probably my voice. I was able to do it, Mm -hmm. but I never would have done it if if the choir director did not see that potential in me. So we have to be careful, parents. Mm. What do you say to your children? 
don't put labels on your kids. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, and one thing I've noticed and gathered, especially growing in my spiritual walk, sometimes you, you, everyone, your call, your call of God, if what whatever God is calling you for, could be so great. And this is where uh, deception really comes into play, and also where the labels too come into play, is that you could be growing so much that the enemy obviously considers you a threat that he could put people in your life to create that label to take you away from that call of God. Because we, we, you know, all the time we go back and forth, flesh, 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 this. We could be, let's say we find someone who says they're their leader and we depend on them, depending on them, or a friend, a close friend. The enemy could put that label on you by using the people that you call friends in your life. That's good. To 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 bring you and keep you away from the call of God. That's why, and it's one thing I've learned, and what's really helped me with throwing off that weight of the label is I have surrounded myself away from the flesh of the outside, I guess you could say, and into the call of God with my Christian brothers and Christian sisters. And I have surrounded myself with that small circle to help me grow because not only will they push me, they won't put labels on me. They'll tell me exactly how it is and they'll push me to grow not only with God, but in my career path. Hmm. And because for so long on the outside, I was listening to people tell me, especially when I was getting into marketing and sales, (laughs) Justin Jeffco. (laughs) <laughs> what? This guy can't can barely talk to himself in a mirror, let alone talk to someone. He ain't never gonna be good. This guy's this guy can't sit still for three seconds. What do you think he's gonna talk to someone and get a deal done? If I allowed myself and I and that's the first time I could say in my life I actually ignored a label. Because if I would have listened, who knows where I would be, especially as my career is taking me. Because I refuse to let people label me that to to get to where I needed to go. Because I was so long going and pushing myself, pushing myself, pushing myself. Because you're like, you're not the most talented. Mm. You're not the best. But what happened? Because I refused to get labeled, I became number one in the company. I become a manager when other people said that you would never be a manager and help and l- learn to lead a team. Yeah. Because I refused to get put on a label. And it went back to high school, too, with football. Is I was 5'6", 225. There was other people who were 6'3", 250, that were all going for the same position as fullback. Now, when you look at that on paper, who are you going to go with? Someone 5'6", 225. Or you're going to go with 6'3", 250. You automatically put a label on that person because of what they look like. Mm. But are you going to go with what they look like or the label or are you going to go with the work ethic? That's good, yeah, Justin. Yeah, I, I, so. I just I feel impressed to, to bring up yeah, a, a, an idea that comes from Scripture, yeah. right? Saul was king of Israel mm-hmm. and he did something he wasn't supposed to do. He was supposed to destroy an entire kingdom mm-hmm. of people in the name of the Lord. But he did what he thought would be better. See, that's, mm. that's a problem we often get into is yeah. that we think that we're doing the right thing, but we're not. And so he went and he, he let the king live. He took all of the best 
of the flocks and all of the best of everything that they had, which was supposed to be burned up and destroyed, he took that and he kept it so that he could offer it as a sacrifice to the Lord. What he learned in that process, because he thought he was doing the right thing, Samuel comes along and says, what you're doing is not right. Today, the kingdom of Israel has been stripped from you. Why was that wrong? Because God doesn't desire sacrifice. He desires obedience. And the obedience was destroy the Amalekites. But he didn't do that. Because of that, in the very next chapter, Samuel goes to the sons of Jesse to find the next king, to anoint the next king of Israel. Mm -hmm. And Jesse lines up all of his sons. Samuel comes by and he's like, he's not it. Oh, okay. He's not it. He's not it. And he keeps going down the line. And he's like, don't you have any other sons? And finally, Jesse's like, well, there's this boy we have that's a shepherd. He's out in the field watching the sheep. David, do you want me? He's like, send for him. Bring him over here. And so when David comes up, he's like, yes, this is our future king of Israel. And he anoints him as king of Israel. The lesson that, we're, that we learn from this story is that, you know, Jesse was looking at his sons based on their stature, their physical attributes. Like he had Good some boy. strong sons in the military that would be fully qualified to be king on their appearance. But God doesn't look at the appearance of man. He looks at the heart. That's so crazy. And I don't, and this is going to sound, but it ties into what we're talking about. The movie Captain America. When, yes, he got altered, became the strong, because everyone wanted that serum. Mm. But when they went to picking, you know, when they're on that military base, they had the guy that was perfect. He was the man he, he was going to be, he's fit. He passed every test. And then you had this little guy, Steve, Captain Steve Rogers, who was a 90-pound asthmatic. You know, oh, why would you pick him? Why would you pick him? Uh, he can't do nothing. He's a weakling. But as he said, it's not only about the ability on the outside. It's about the heart yes. of the man on the inside. That's why he was chosen. Yes, I know it's a movie. I know it's made up. But it goes with and ties in the day-to-day. And when you put labels on someone, you don't know what really what this man could do. And when he threw that grenade, everyone ran away. And the man that you said that was perfect, because no one, one, first off, is perfect, but Christ, Jesus Christ himself, everyone ran away and said, oh, he's going to be the next military er, guy. And he ran away. But what did the little man do? Jumped over that grenade to sacrifice himself because it wasn't about what he looked like. It was about the heart and the anointing that was being carried with him. We'll be right back after a brief message from our sponsor. Advertising on Facebook is a waste of money, right? Wrong. Advertising on Facebook can actually make you money if you have a good strategy. If you're ready to stop wasting money on ads that don't work, pick up a copy of my book, Increasing Your Sales with Facebook Ads. In it, you will learn how to transform your Facebook advertising strategy into a winning strategy that will stop costing you money and starts making you money. This book is available in paperback and ebook form. You can find it on Amazon. We'll have a link in the show notes. 
just to bring it back to what we're talking about, we're, mm. we're talking today about limiting beliefs. These are the labels that people have either put on you or you have put on yourself. Yeah. There's another label that I had to deal with when I was a young adult. Um, that label was depression. I was 20 years old and I was facing financial pressures. I was uh, was living with my best friend. We we had a I was his roommate. Um, we shared an apartment. Uh, it was our first time out from beneath our parents. Everything was great, mm-hmm. but then we were struggling to pay the rent, right? And we couldn't buy food, and we were having all kinds of struggles. And I became depressed. It was so bad. Like, I felt like I didn't have any friends. That's a lie, because I had friends. But I believed that I wasn't worthy of the friends that I had. I believed that I had such a bad temper that nobody wanted to be around me, that everybody secretly hated me. And as I believed these lies, one day... I went to my room and I was I was selling cutlery at the time and I had taken one of the knives out of my bag and I was going to cut my wrist. Wow. I started in on it and I've never shared this with anyone before. Uh, so this is a little vulnerable for me right now. I started to cut my wrist and at that very moment I heard the squeaking sound of my pet guinea pig over on my dresser and while I had tears in my eyes and I heard that sound I stopped my heart was racing and the first thought that popped in my head was no one can take care of that animal better than I can so I stopped what I was doing Ran to the bathroom. I started washing my wrists and everything because, I mean, I was, I was really starting to, mm-hmm. to dig in. At that moment, my roommate found out that something was wrong, and he called the police. He also called my parents, and they came over to the apartment, and the police said, Son, you have a choice right now. You can either go with us or you can go with your parents. What's it going to be? So I chose to go with my parents, and my dad checked me into what was then known as Flower Hospital in Sylvania, Ohio. I was admitted to the psychiatric ward, and I was diagnosed with depression. At that moment, uh, my world just it crumbled. I didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, now I had this diagnosis that I was depressed clinically, and I just didn't know what I was going to do. But that week, I was it was Easter weekend that I was admitted into the hospital. And, of course, I told you earlier in this episode that I, I didn't grow up as a Christian, but Easter was different when you're a non-Christian. We celebrated the Easter bunny and Easter eggs and having a cookout and having family over. And so I was going to miss that time with my family. And I was like, okay. But I got a phone call. <clears throat> it was my sister. My little sister. She had just graduated from basic training and AIT. And she, I heard her voice on the phone, and when I heard it, there was a different tone, a different quality in her voice that I had never heard before. And when I heard that for that first time after being diagnosed with depression, I was like, I want what she has. I don't know what she has, but I want what she has. So I started exploring the idea of joining the Army. Of course, at that time, they said, 
you, you are on medication, you are depressed, you can't join the army unless you go off your medication and you're no longer considered depressed. And so I went off my medication. I stopped seeing my psychiatrist. I started to implement some of the strategies they were teaching me with coping skills. I went to MEPS. Before I went to MEPS, my recruiter told me, when they ask you about if you've ever had medical issues or mental issues, you tell them, no, never, not at all. And so I did. And guess what? I got admitted into the Army, and I enlisted as an animal care specialist, and the reason I chose animal care specialist or veterinary technician was because I felt like I owed something back to the animal that saved my life. It wasn't until I was in basic training, uh, November 24th, 2002, that it was a Sunday and we had a free day away during basic training where we got to be bused to a church in Missouri. When I was there, that was the first time I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Looking back on that whole situation, that whole story, God was there in the room and caused that guinea pig to squeak. God saved me from making the wrong choice. Whether I acknowledged him at the time or not, I see that now looking back. If not for him, I never would have joined the army. I would have had that label of depression on my life and I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. Now, hear my words, people. I'm not saying that you should just drop your medicine. And I'm not saying that you should stop seeing your psychiatrist if you're seeing one. But I am saying you need to have a relationship with God. Yes. That's the most important thing. Because God is the great physician. He is the healer. And if he healed me of depression, he can heal you also. You will never have to deal with thoughts of suicide or depression ever again. And if they do raise their ugly heads, guess what? God will help you overcome it. Whenever we are tempted, he always provides a way of escape. Wow, Jason. That, I was just in awe. For, thank you so much for sharing something so powerful and beautiful and especially God put that on your heart. I think we all can come away from that and take that is don't ever let someone put a label on you because God has something for you so much greater than what you think for yourself. I never thought in a million years I would be sitting here doing this and also going into my calling of uh, God calling to me evangelist because the enemy has tried so many times to put labels on me about my past. But you know what the most beautiful thing is now? <laughs> God knows, gives me the discernment of knowing who's who and when to listen to what. And now I can easily push those thoughts out and go further into my calling and it just takes me so much further because I'm not listening to those thoughts anymore because you're, what you said is a thousand percent correct. When you accept Jesus into your life and grow because, it, and this could be for another thing, is, is we, there no such thing as a religion. It is a relationship. 
And when you grow and accept that relationship, he will be your leader. He will be your teacher. And he will talk to you and God, you'll be like, no, Justin, no, Jason, no, Justin, no, Jason. Go do that. This is what I want you to do. And it will be the most amazing voice you'll ever hear. So when you hear that amazing voice and it is positive and it is light, know that is Jesus talking to you and he is with you. And when you're just walking on the road and you're down and you're beat and you're, you're on the ground and you look up, Jesus is going to be right there and saying, you know what? Let me take this label off. Let me take this off. Mm. This does not define you. I'll take this off of you. And he'll pick you up and put your, his arm around you and said, let me show you where I want to take you. And he'll walk that journey with you. That's so powerful. When I opened the show, I was talking about how we need to rip it off. But that image of Jesus ripping off that label, that is so powerful. Yeah. Because you're right. We can't do it on our own. Can't. We need Jesus in our lives. Exactly. So before we close out the show today, I know we've talked a lot of, about a lot of deep stuff today. Mm-hmm. We've shared some stories and, and, and ideas about these limiting beliefs in our lives. I do want to just give you three quick strategies, yes. if you will, of how to deal with limiting beliefs in your life. And so the first thing is when a limiting belief comes up, you have a choice. Your choice is you can either accept it as truth or you can reject it as the lie that it is. That's step one. Choose whether to accept it as truth or reject it as a lie. I'm choosing to reject it as a lie. Mm -hmm. The second thing is I want you to understand that you're a work in progress. I'm a work in progress. None of us are perfect. No, not one. You must be okay not being okay. You got to be okay with not being perfect. You just got to be okay with who you are right now. And know that God is going to take you from glory to glory. He is constantly changing us and moving us into who he has called us to be. You just got to actively choose to participate in that progress. Don't dwell on your past your past hurts, your past failures, but think about where God's taking you and just take it day by day, step by step, and you'll get there. Like Justin said, the third step is to trust Jesus. And then the fourth step is we need to start looking at ourselves the way Jesus looks at us. Not what the world tells you. Absolutely. That'll conclude this episode Come on. Of Marketplace Ministry. (laughs) Until next time, we call you to prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you're on Clubhouse, connect with us there for live Q&As about the show. We'll have all the details in the show notes. Leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts and share this episode if it helped you and encouraged you. Thanks for listening. Continue to seek God first and serve his people well, and your business will prosper in Jesus' name.